Do you believe in miracles? Jews do. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. One of the hallmarks of both the Jewish and Christian traditions is miracles. We find numerous examples of miracles, both in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, and in the Christian scriptures. Merriam-Webster's dictionary definition of a miracle is, quote, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs, unquote. This involves a suspension of the laws of nature, such as the time that Joshua made the sun stand still in Joshua chapter 10, or when Daniel survived the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. But in the Hebrew Bible, a nace, a miracle, is part of the order of creation, not something out of the ordinary. Our ancient forebears would have expected God to intervene in divine affairs. A miracle was simply a sign from God. A closer look at the crossing of the Sea of Reeds, formerly called the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14, provides us with great insight into the biblical concept of miracles. Part one of the story is found in verse 16, when Adonai tells Moses to raise his staff and stretch his arms over the sea. This is the announcement of the miracle. God tells Moses what is about to happen, something neither he nor Israel has ever seen before, something so fantastic that even Egypt will know that Adonai is God. The Israelites would walk across the sea on dry land, and when the Egyptians enter the sea, God will close the waters on them and drown them. Part two begins with verse 19, when the angel of God, who had been leading the procession, moved to the rear, bringing the pillar of cloud with him. The pillar itself is a miracle. This is the definition of a smokescreen. The Egyptians could not penetrate this divine wall, allowing the Israelites to cross the water safely. In verse 21, Moses spreads his hand over the sea and the water split. This is part three. Adonai provided a strong east wind to part the waters, and the Israelites walked across the sea on dry land. Turning the seabed into dry land was miraculous in and of itself. Part four is the Egyptian pursuit, beginning in verse 24. Adonai locked the wheels of the Egyptian chariots on the seabed floor, causing the enemy to panic. In part five, beginning with verse 26, Adonai tells Moses to stretch his hand over the sea again so that the waters will return and drown the Egyptians. He did, and they drowned. In part 6, verses 30 to 31, the Israelites rejoiced at their redemption. They recognized God's great might and finally believed in Adonai as their Elohim, their God, and in Moses as God's servant. In other words, they realized the power behind this miracle and danced in joy at their newfound freedom. 
Acknowledgement of the miracle is the crucial final step in this process. The crossing of the Sea of Reeds is a series of miracles. The parting of the waters, the divine smokescreen, the crossing on dry land, the locking of the chariot wheels, and the return of the waters. Each one by itself is miraculous. Together, they compose the formative narrative of the Jewish people. Each one of these actions is divine. While today we can postulate theories as to how they occurred in nature, a person of faith, certainly in that time, would experience them as God working in the world. The story of the loaves and the fish in Christian scriptures follows the same rationale. If you are a believer, it must be true. Let's break down this story in a similar way. Although I could have used any of the four Gospels, the version in Matthew chapter 14 is our starting point. The chapter begins with the beheading of John the Baptizer, a Jew who helped other Jews become ritually pure through immersion in water. Jesus is despondent upon hearing of his death. He rose to a desolate place along the Sea of Galilee to be alone in his grief. But his followers get wind of his arrival and literally come to Jesus. Jesus first heals the sick, another miracle in and of itself. But then it's time to eat. The disciples decide that the people should go into town to buy food. Jesus, however, insists on feeding the 5,000 people gathered with only five loaves of bread and two fish. In a story reminiscent of 2 Kings chapter 4, the story of Elisha and the miracle of the oil, Jesus says a prayer, and miraculously, the loaves and fish feed the multitude with 12 baskets of food left over, representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. The disciples sail back without him. Jesus then walks across the water to meet them. Peter starts to walk towards him and almost falls into the water. Jesus reaches out his hand and saves him. The two finish their walk together and arrive at Gennesaret. Taken as a whole, this chapter then is not one but three miracles, healing the sick, the loaves and fish, and then walking on water. The ancients would see these as God working in the world. While we might offer rational explanations for miracles, and there is a rational explanation for how Jesus walked on water, for our ancient ancestors and modern believers, it's all about God. There is, though, one even more important question to address. While we accept ancient miracles on faith, we all wonder this. Are miracles occurring today? We'll talk about that after a short break. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Before we return to our discussion of miracles, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please remember to rate and review this episode, as well as previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, and other great podcasting sites. Also, please like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get back to our topic. 
are miracles occurring today. The Baal Shem Tov, the founder of modern Hasidism in the late 17th century, once said that miracles are occurring all around us, but we shut our eyes to them. He would know. His title, Baal Shem, means miracle worker. The Tov in his name means good. He was the greatest shaman of his time. We talk all the time about the miracle of childbirth. We say it's a miracle that Aunt Sadie recovered from that terrible traffic accident. You've heard that one too. We use the term, it's a miracle that, dot, 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 all the time, as if whatever that is was not meant to be. But what if these are indeed miracles? Allow me a personal story, if you will. Many years ago, an elderly woman in my congregation had a heart bypass operation. She did well and was recovering in the hospital. A day or two after the surgery, her son called me in a panic. Mom isn't doing well. A suture is leaking and the doctors don't think she is going to make it. Can you come to the hospital right now? I dropped everything and rushed to the hospital. Her family was in the waiting room, obviously distraught. After talking with them for a bit, they asked me to say a prayer. I obliged and created a nice prayer on the spot. I knew it was a good prayer because immediately after I said amen, the nurse came into the waiting room and said that she was going to make it. Her doctor left another patient open on the table, rushed to her operating room, fixed the leak, and went back to a scheduled patient. This dear, sweet woman lived for another five years at least, but the family looked at me as if I were a miracle worker. Truth be told, that's how I felt. After that episode, I came to believe that God indeed works through us, and that is the true miracle of our day. We just have to realize when it happens, whether at that time or when we reflect back on it. And whether we are a Jew, a Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu, or whatever, true faith today is believing that we are the miracle that God intended the world to be. Each of our religious traditions has this idea, for we are all, since the time of Adam, endowed with Ruach Elohim, the breath of God within us. That, perhaps, is our greatest common legacy. So, yes, miracles do exist in this world. They are us. Next week, our topic will be messianism. We're going to talk about the origins of the concept of the Messiah, the Anointed One, in the Hebrew Bible, and then we are going to look at how Jesus may or may not have been the fulfillment of that promise. It's going to be an interesting topic. I know that it's of great interest because people on our Facebook page have been talking about it for days now. So in honor of them and their efforts to help us grow tour for Christians, we're going to talk about it, about messianism. I want to thank you for listening to Tour for Christians. You can listen to and rate previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other popular podcast outlets. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day, and remember, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we see each other again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians. Thank you.